AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In episode nine, season six of the Fighting Cock Podcast, Flab is AWOL, so I'm filling in for him. We talk about the 4 0 thrashing of Stoke and think about the Monaco and Sunderland games and how we might rotate the squad. The second half is full of wonderful, spooky ramblings about Daniel Levy and our finances. Hope you enjoy the podcast. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. 
It's episode nine, season six of the Fighting Cock podcast. And as you'll hear, I'm not Flav. Um, this is Windy. Flav's on his own international break. Uh, so I'm here in his place, trying to be the Wanyama to his Dembele. And I'm joined today by Bardi. Hello. Spooky. Yes. And T. Hello. And you might notice that it sounds a little bit different to usual because we're recording in a different venue. We're actually at Bardi's house. And we arrived today to find um, a platter of Italian food laid out for our arrival. Of culture. Um, platter of culture. <laughs> every, every bit as punchy as I thought it would be. <laughs> a nice bottle of red, uh, breathing away exactly. on Bardi's dining room table. Are you listening to this, Flav? I don't even get a hug, mate, when I come to, to our studio. <laughs> I think Flav would have swept the food straight off the table when he get right and seen it. Yeah, would have, yeah. But um, very kind of you, buddy. It's all right. Called it's out nice all the stops, mate. It's nice to have you guys round. I'm not allowed visitors very often. So it's <laughs> nice. This is nice. I was just going to say that. I mean, at half time, I'm probably going to go and look for the dungeon. <laughs> I just need to work out what room it's in. <laughs> so, how are we doing, Ness? Not bad, not bad. Um, on, on a bit of a cloud after the Stoke game. Um, it was a very pleasant surprise. But, you know, um, overall, I'm good. Spook? Uh, I feel like dog shit, to be honest. Right, warm down by work. Kid is killing me. I thought, what better way to escape? I just walked out of the house, basically. So I might be back, I might not. Who knows? So I'm here. So you guys have, have got a sort of, you know... Will be your pick-me-up. Well, without a doubt. Bardi, how you doing, mate? Very good, thanks, Wendy. Good stuff. So should we, should we get straight into it? I, I mean, the Stoke game was, as T says, a pleasant surprise. It was, like last year, a thrashing of Stoke in their own backyard. Yeah. Um, four or five players stepped up who'd been poor for the first three games. Uh, Ericsson was probably one of the men of the match, if not the man of the match. Son, superb on his first game back. I, w I was a little bit worried. The first 10 minutes had me worried that we were going to start slowly like we've done in a lot of games this season. But um, we weathered the storm and they didn't really come at us with any kind of quality. It was just a question of not letting in a stupid goal. And um, we didn't, and then from there we just grew into the game. And um, I think in the end they couldn't really cope with cope with our, our speed and our directness. I, I just can't believe how, how bad Stoke were. I mean, um, obviously credit goes to us for our performance, but I expected a lot more from Stoke. And um, I remember the surprise all around when we said that they were bottom on <laughs> um, last week's podcast. And I thought with Simon Bonney and uh, Martin Zindi, they might look a bit more solid. Um, well, he looked very much off the pace, like um, reminiscent of Jimmy Ford Hasselbank at Middlesbrough. Um, just out of shape, just not really knowing know what's going on. Um, Martin Zindi seemed a bit lost. I think the Kane goalie could have done better with. Um, Stoke are really bad, but I think it's good to see Ericsson return to form and um, some justify the selection, because I think his selection raised a few eyebrows. Well, I, th I think Hughes might have messed up a little bit, because he did throw in three new players who haven't played yet this season and they weren't they weren't ready for that game. Joe Allen, if you look through the, um, the centre of their team and if you want to include Gibbon in that as well, but it, Bruno Martins, Indy, Joe Allen and I thought Boney, they were they were well off the pace. Yeah. Unless the spine of their team was, was chocolate. Before the game we um, trialled the new Futsa app, uh, which we've, we've mentioned on the pod before. Um, so Alex from Bristol did a live stream, kind of a live chat thing. Uh, on the Futsal app where people were asking questions and he was talking about the game and he was very keen to point out that if Shea Gibbon conceded it would be his 600th 
Premier League goal. <laughs> yeah. And he ended up conceding four, so he's on 603 conceded now. Uh, I mean, Gibbon was pretty hopeless, I'd say, for two of the goals. There were major question marks over his position. I didn't realise he played in, in the other four now. I, I thought it was someone yeah. else, because I remember Butland was injured and they brought in his other keeper, who was hopeless. Gibbon and was he was hopeless at the Euros in 2012, and I, yeah. I still can't believe he's making a living out of being a goalkeeper because Son's Son's second goal when you first when I first saw it I thought that was top corner. Yeah, it was straight down the middle. <laughs> if he had stood still and put his hands up like tried to stop a bus, he would have saved it. Yeah, I mean it was a good hit from Son. Given I mean yeah. we, we need to give him some credit. First time that technique was great, but like you say. That's that's gone exactly where Gibbons' hand should be, yep. um, and the, and actually Ali's goal as well wasn't in the corner. It wasn't anywhere near the corner, um, but we were ruthless. We played really well on the counter, and yet at one nil, Shawcross had that big chance which he fired wide from a set piece. That could have been one all. It could I have all been different. When you look back to last year's four 0 I think that was Tottenham at their. At their maximum level, I mean, we were swaggering all over the field. We probably would have beaten any team that day, four 0 we, we were we were that good. Um, I don't care how shit Stoke are and look and play. I think the important thing for us was to actually hit a stride within the game and, and, and score and actually have passages of play that looked like that were reminiscent of Tottenham last season. And we done that, not across the whole ninety minutes. Like Bardi said, we took a while to get going. But when we did put it together, there was some lovely fluid uh, football. And yeah, we got a helping hand or, or, or two. But you know what? We don't pick the opposition. We've got to go there and do a job. And all you can say is that we did, we did a job. We were professional, a little bit sexy here and there. And world chuffed with it. We bullied, yeah, we bullied them. We, don't, yeah. we, we, don't, we never really bully a team. You see like Barcelona turn up, even Arsenal do it occasionally. If they play against someone weak, they smash but it. Don't you even think that to a certain degree we didn't even get to the point of bullying them? It was almost like a school bully has to go up and start pushing a kid about. But at the same time, a school bully only has to walk up to a kid for yeah. the kid to piss himself. And I think Stoke had nothing to offer in any way that got Spurs to change gear. We didn't change gear. We just occasionally upped our game. Okay, maybe that is changing gear, but we just play football the way we know we can when we've got five or six players on form and we just dismantled them it was it was a comfortable viewing and it was it was enjoyable as well it felt like exactly what a number of our players needed as well yeah, because me up. exactly and it, we you know we've been criticizing criticizing is the wrong word we've been um stating really because it's you know it's a fact ericsson's been poor these first few games he, he's not um He's not got back to his levels. He hadn't got back to his levels of the previous season. He was struggling. Kane, likewise, had some poor games. Ali was looking rusty. And I thought all three of them looked kind of back to where they, they need to be. Um, and the thing with Kane, you know he's just going to work his socks off throughout the 90 minutes, regardless of whether things go right for him. And it was quite nice that just before his goal, he had that kind of fresh air shot where it ran past his foot. But he stuck at it and he got straight back in the six-yard box and he was calling for the ball and he's, he's got that kind of um, persistence in him. He won't let things die. He, he wants to, always wants to score a goal. We, you've, 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 that is Tottenham's tag. That's, that's the Tottenham trait that Pochettino's given us. That we, No one stands about feeling sorry for themselves, like the, the old days and Roberto Soldado and the rest of them. Like, Spurs get on with it. Yeah, okay, he hasn't scored for like, what, what was it, six games before? 
And it was a tap in, but you know what? Yeah, they've scored since Stoke, haven't they? It's Chelsea. Chelsea, half so. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a drought for him, but he, he's, he's not the type of player. <clears throat> he's, it's not he's in, the, in his character to start feeling sorry for himself. And yeah, footballers, they do go through this patch where they think about it too much. You know, they lose that instinctive movement and touch. And it was quite funny that in the end, all he had to do was shuffle his body and tap the ball in. And and yeah, take an extra touch for that goal, though. Yeah. No, no, I'm interested because yeah. like, the Kane of last season <laughs> would have just, just tapped it in. I, I think he wanted to make absolutely sure. certain. Yeah, that's what he wanted to do. No well. fuck up. No. And he had up. time. He had time to do it because they were they were dithering. The Stoke yeah. centre backs were dithering for a lot of that lot of that match. Certainly for the middle half an hour. Um, Mon- monkey off back? Would you say? I th- I, I'd like to think so. I think it, it felt to me like Spurs were back. Um, the full-backs, I mean, Walker's been probably the most consistent player yeah, in the first few games. Um, but he, had, he was excellent again, got a really good assist at the end. But Ben Davies as well, really, like, straight mm, back in, mm. looked like he'd never been away, really impressed with He's him. He's had a good Euro, though. Um, yeah, re- but in a different position, so it's yeah. a kind of, it's a different... It's confidence, though, yeah, like, as a, yeah. a player. I think um, Kane, get, Kane scoring that goal was almost like a double monkey off his back, because I don't know if you guys used to play old-school football or championship manager... When a player was approaching a milestone like a 50, 100 game, 100 goals, he yeah. would never score. Yeah, that was a bug in yeah, the game. It was a bug. It, it always <laughs> would happen. Every time a player was inching <laughs> towards a record, they would just stop scoring. So it was good that he, he got his goal and he breached, and he got 50 goals for Spurs. And um, I think it was my stat. He's the, the youngest Spurs player to reach 50 Premier League goals. And the quickest. And the quickest, yeah. I think with... Um, fucking what I was going to say. <laughs> too busy trying to steal he my was, stat. He was also he's the eleventh. It's the eleventh quickest um, player to fifty in the Premier League. Um, impressive, okay. Very yeah. very impressive. I think um, someone did a tweet. Yeah, but it was actually a Chelsea fan, and um, the premise of the tweet was that if Kane was Spanish or um, you know from somewhere else in Europe, he'd be getting so much hype. But because he's English, he doesn't get the hype. I mean, he scored twenty goals, two, twenty goals, two seasons in a row. And he's reached 50 goals, as I said, fairly under 100, which is, you know, less than 182. So um, I think he doesn't, well, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. And I think we're very lucky to have him. Hopefully he'll get to 100 goals with Tottenham. But that's what we want to see. But you're looking at a, a media which is not giving him hype. I was showing to Spooky before that the media throwing hype at this Latin Ibrahimovic, who's been around 20 years. <laughs> whereas you've got someone who's young and English... And they're not hyping Kane at all. They're chucking plaudits at Rashford, who came on and had like a, a cameo appearance against Man City. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. But do you know what? Actually, I actually quite like us. that. I, I prefer yeah. it. I prefer it too, but I, compl- I was going to say something similar, actually. It feels like Kane's had his hype now in the media's eyes yeah. when he was on the up initially. And now he's gone to the Euros and taken a couple of bad corners. They're just wanting to knock him constantly. I think it's simple. Put, put Harry Kane in a red shirt of, of Man United, yeah. and you will see that hype again. Um, it's just the way. It's just the way it is. I mean, it, it, you can sit here and talk about narrative and conspiracy and agendas, but it's just everything's very cleanly packaged and contained when it comes to football in this country. But again, me and Barney were having a conversation about how Sky present their football, and who, what, what is their demographic? I mean, who are they appealing to? Because Barney's Got rid of his, his Sky TV, don't mind me saying that. No, fuck Sky. Because, because he's sitting and watching a, a, a product. I mean, the football is football. You can't, you know, you, you can just turn the, the, the volume down and watch the game. 
in the way that it's presented to you, if they're sitting there patronising viewers that Ibra is some kind of unknown quantity that's now, oh, get the fuck out of here, man. We, we, we are the ones that... And he's a ghost. He's a ghost compared to what he was now. We, no, exactly. He's, he's, he's definitely not the player that he was, yeah. but he's still... And with Kane, I, I completely agree. I don't care what they write. Maybe I do sometimes. I get annoyed with it. But at the end of the day, let us go under the radar a little bit longer, you know, if that, if that helps him. His development. I think um, Sky all around are like that with, um, with all sports really. Um, it feels like they direct their. It's like there's so much dumbing down with, with Sky. There's no form of sophistication or anything in the way that they present their product. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of the people who listen would have heard about the Golovkin v. Brook fight. And all through the build up, it was like Golovkin's the number one pound for pound, he's the best boxer in the world. If Brook beats him, he'll be the best boxer in the world. And, um, and that's just <laughs> absolutely not true. And the way they're talking about Zlatan is if Zlatan is like 25 years old, he's a ghost. Don't be wrong, Zlatan is a character and I'm happy to have him in the Premier League, albeit five or six years too late. But the way Sky present their product, it just feels a lot of, feels like a lot of dumb and down. It feels like... Um, it's so binary. It, it's always so yeah, binary. It, it almost feels like Neville would be better suited on, um, on BT. Yeah. And, it, and it's just like you watch the Man United, I don't, don't mean to keep talking about Man United, but you watch the Man United game at the weekend and you see... <laughs> If that was Van Hal in charge of um, Man United and the way Man United played and the way they resorted to long ball and stuff, they would have been absolutely crucified. But for some reason, Sky are so protective or so in love with Mourinho that they ignored the fact that Man U went long ball. And half of what they're trying to do is it's nothing. It's exactly the same as it, last season. It's, it's because, and we, we probably need to cut this short because it's turning to slacking match with Sky, but it's because <laughs> it's a product and they're looking after their, their, their main actors, you know, and it's just making sure that, that they don't piss them off and that they're protecting the brand and protecting what the expectancy is because they want to see United challenge for the title against Man City because there's a certain little long-standing <coughs> narrative between the two coaches there yeah. so it, it, it is it's bullshit and we we see through it and it's a shame Kane isn't getting the plaudits that he, he deserves and people are focusing on a shitty euro <coughs> where everybody was under par and, and wasted but last season was the first time since the Premier League began that there's no Manchester team in the top three yeah that's a good point so obviously they didn't like that very much and it kind of harms the narrative it'd be interesting to see um the league table based on their predictions because Merson famously predicted they were going to lose 1 0 <laughs> and, we, and we beat them 4 0. It was just um, <laughs> indicative of, of how, the, how the media see us. But I mean, we had a number of questions which are very similar about, you know, um, are Spurs back? Is this the real Spurs? I, 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 I've got tempered optimism about that because, as I've said at, at the outset, I think Stoke are very poor. It was good. I think it's, it's a good confidence booster that um, Ericsson. Was back and foremost was Deli Ali, but I thought the game was like practicing wrestling moves in your little brother. Everything they tried worked, and the keeper was diving out of the way of shots. But we've got, I mean, we've got an easy, well, relatively easy game against Sunderland to our second from bottom on Sunday, so maybe we'll get to see more of the same on Sunday. One more thing I wanted to pick up about the Stoke game was um, the crowd and their their influence. I tweeted at half time that I begrudgingly respected the Stoke fans because they're. They were they were so um, vocal in their disagreement with every decision, yeah. basically. Um, and in my opinion, they they didn't have much to complain about. Whereas I felt that Delhi Ali should have had a penalty. Yes, yes. I thought Wanyama's first yellow was a good tackle, and he shouldn't have been carded, let alone mm. called up as a foul. Um, and then Hughes was rightly sent to the stands for. 
coming out. In his, in his defence, he admitted to that. Also. He did, and I thought he was. I, I was quite pleased that he did that. He, he behaved and, very well after. And that. Son could have had a penalty as well. Son could have also had a penalty. But it, that just shows the state of Stoke that it was the referee. It was the referee that all their anger was. I mean, you got to give them credit because their team is shit. But they were. They weren't angry. They weren't aiming any abuse at their team. I'm not sure whether as we as Spurs fans would have been that kind to our team. But they they would use the referee as an outlet and. But I don't think their their booing and stuff was would help their team at all. I don't think it was anything for their team to gain there. There was there was an article. I don't know who published it. It was about um, our fans are the most satisfied with our squad and our transfer dealings. Um, I think this, the bench was the strongest I've seen in a long while, almost back to the days of Redknapp. How strong that bench was. We had um, we had Lamella, Sissoko, Jansen to come on, and um, I thought it was just great that we had. So many options on our bench. It's been a long time since we've been able to say that. And uh, with Dembele returning, they'll only be exactly Dembele to come back. No Nkudu and no Kevin Vimmer. That's okay. very weird. That, but it, there's a rumor that he's got some kind of virus. I don't know. All sorts of rumors about Vimmer, and I think we're all wanting to kind of avoid the issue a little bit and just hope that there's no. I don't know. It's got a rash. Let's hope he's got. Yeah. Let's yeah. hope he's got a rush. <laughs> I mean, from a, from a Tottenham point of view, it's good to have Carter Vickers in and around the squad, and um, it's lovely to see a Tottenham boy come through the ranks, but I feel, I think a lot of our fans thought that Wimmer um, acquitted himself very well when Vertonghen was injured, and some even probably think he's better than Vertonghen, so hopefully he's not going anywhere. I, I like the depth, the depth of midfield-wise. I mean, there's a lot of options there, and I, and I think we still need another five or ten games to really know what we're going to be doing with these plays, how they're going to be utilised, you know, then Bele's back, do we resort back to what we had last season? And if that's the case, then what, what happens? You know, are, are we basically just looking at the opponent, home away, and then working out what suits? Which is fine, because we need to rotate. Because for me, it's key, we don't burn out come May. You know, now we don't have an excuse. We need to rotate, it's as simple as that. Well, for a long time, our team has picked itself, and the team on Saturday was probably the first in a while where no one could really guess. Don't know, were you guys happy with the lineup? Mm. I mean, I, I mean, I think down right now, I don't think people like people want them together, and it, and it was alright in the end. I, I kind of, I think Dyer and Wanyama in certain games are fine. I thought Wanyama um, was getting reckless, given that he was on a yellow, he he was making some challenges that he probably shouldn't have been making, particularly the one in the middle where he, he just took the guy down, he ran past him, and that yeah, was that, love, yeah. that was way more of a yellow card offence than his the one he was booked for. Um, but generally, I think Dyer and Wanyama have done okay. Nothing special, but okay. What do you think of Dyer so far, though? It's a bit of a mixed bag. It's not been amazing, has he? I mean, he doesn't talk, but I think we expected a bit more. So he, could, he had a good Euros as well. But, I mean, do we, we kind of want to see him in the same way as we see Kane and Ali, yeah, perhaps? Yeah. That, you know, he has mm. been away for the summer. He's not really had a break. And we kind of... I mean, maybe even Wanyama will stay in the team and Dyer will be the one to come out when Dembele's back. I wouldn't be that upset about that. A couple of games on the sidelines. It's a long season, guys. Yeah, it's a yeah. Champions League as well. It's a, it's a long campaign. So let's talk about that. Obviously, mm. Wednesday, Monaco, Wembley. Do you want to be a record breaker? <laughs> <laughs> 80, 85,000, is it? Spurs fans? Yeah, yeah. We've got, we've got, we've got a question about that. Barley's just made a very good point that we should probably do our man of the match for Stoke before we move on. Easy with your writing down the paper <laughs> to tell the host that he's forgotten something. Breaking so down the 4-4, four four, what are you doing? Who are we going for? Barley? Ericsson. Spooky? Yeah, Ericsson. He was all over the shop. He was everywhere. Walker. 
<laughs> gender, gender. And I'll, I'll go for Son, I think, because I felt like he was the catalyst for a lot of the, the good stuff that we did. So that's Ericsson then. Well, I could upset Reddit and switch. No, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stick yeah, Ericsson. Ericsson. So Ericsson, Ericsson was great. Was great fun. Yeah. But we've got a question about the, the attendance, by the way. Have we? Question from... Oh, you've, changed, you've changed your one, haven't you? <laughs> uh, let me read that. We've got a question from Paddy G. Spell from the forum. And it says, are you looking forward to being part of Tottenham's largest home crowd ever, 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 ever? Because there's, a bit, there's been a bit of a debate whether that's our record home crowd, because it's at a neutral ground, but it counts as a home fixture, so suck it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. I, I think it's... Being at Wembley before has always felt a bit odd. Um, the new Wembley, that is. I like it, and I like being amongst sort of 40,000 Spurs fans or whatever you get in there. Um, but this is different. This is pretty much the whole stadium is just going to yeah. Spurs. And it doesn't matter almost in a way that you'll have different songs starting up in different areas because it's big enough it's to can, be able to it can sustain cope with that. that yeah. It can cope with that. And as long as you're having fun in the area you're in and you're making noise in the area you're in, you're going to have a great time. If we win and win well, and we're winning well from, from quite early on, it could be... It could be something amazing. It could be one of those those nights that we read about now from about 30, 40 years about the, um, the Angels of White Hart Lane, all that kind of stuff. It could be something like that. I mean, the other day, I think they on BT, they put on um, the Spurs v Inter game. There's so many things I didn't realise about that game. I think Modric came up, no, Van der Vaart came up for half-time, I think. And Genus came on obviously played quite well yeah. and, and played for the entire game. There's all these things you don't remember about Huddleston it. Huddleston was captain as well. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was. And um, I think... This is our chance to make more history. It would be awesome if we start the game, come out of chats, you know, and we get an early goal. I mean, we've got a good record against French sides. I think it's a hundred percent home record against French visitors. So this cast is a home game. So, so no, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Why are people that fussed about it being at Wembley? I mean, look, we're transitioning. We're building a new stadium. It's 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 people are saying it's unavoidable. We could have played played Champions League football, White Hart Lane. But do you, is there any of you guys actually think? Staying at White Hart Lane would have worked for for the Champions League, or do, or, or are you are you are you are you inclined to think financially the club made the decision to go to Wembley and um, accommodate more supporters? So it was a, it was kind of a, a, a middle ground that's a little bit controversial because you can say last ever season at White Hart Lane, you know, Champions League football under the lights with the missing corner. Well, I mean, happened, if we'd have known that the Dortmund game was going to be our last ever European game at Wild Lane, maybe we'd have um, handled it a bit better. The people, I'd imagine, who want us to stay at Wild Lane in the Champions League, probably people who got season tickets and their ticket is guaranteed. It was enough of a clusterfuck getting tickets for Wembley as it was. And then the fact that there's more tickets available now. I mean, Windy, I think he's up in the gods. I think Bardi now in the lower tier. If, if I'm saying that if Windy had known, he would have probably held out and maybe... Got to get a late date. I think the way Spurs handled the ticketing thing was, was a bit annoying, but I think Wembley was a necessary evil given that the other alternative was Milton Keynes, so I'm happy with Wembley. I kind of have some sympathy with them over the ticketing thing because it's it's a it's a it's different. It's, they're selling tickets for Wembley and not White Hart Lane. They're they're selling tickets to on a scale that is unprecedented for Spurs. And it was inevitable. And also they did the three-game package, which changes things a bit. So there were, there were differences well, there. Well, that helped them, because if it wasn't for that, that wouldn't have sold out. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. But that, I was so pleased that they did that. I, I really feel like the club of... Yeah, it's probably PR, and, and they can afford to do it because they've got the attendance at Wembley. But I felt like that was a really good move 
in terms of giving something back to the fans. And they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to do that. I mean, they've priced the Europa League games competitively for a few seasons, but this is Champions League, and they could have charged a lot more money than they have. So I thought that was a really good, good touch from the club. There would have been less Spurs fans watching us play at White Hart Lane. I don't have a problem with going to Wembley. I know it's sad and everything else, but the stadium, there's a part of the stadium's missing. So there's 8,000 Spurs fans turning up to watch Tottenham. That wouldn't have, they wouldn't have, half those people obviously wouldn't have got a ticket less than half. So I don't have a problem with it. So what do you make about Monaco? They've had a good start to the season. They beat Lille last week. French stunk. They're the French stunk. They're the reversed version. Well, they wear the same kit, don't they? And they beat PSG without splat, and admittedly. Um, so they're, they're, I think they're top of their league, aren't they? They're so. top. They've, did, did we, we, sm we smashed them last season. We yeah? beat them 4-1. Yeah, right, and enjoyed enjoy played well. Onima played well as well. But yeah. the thing is, that there's only five of the players yeah. that were involved in that game that still play for them. So it kind of implies either that they, they did the same thing as we did and played fringe players in that yeah, match. Yeah, exactly. I don't actually remember researching that at the time, but they, I, I presume they'd have rotated like we did. Um, or they just decided that those players aren't good enough and cut them loose. But they, I mean, they've got some... They've they got went some quite players. strong against us. But um, the, the, the key thing about Monaco this year is the fact that um, they haven't lost their players. Over the last three, four years, it's just been a succession of their top talent going all the way back from like Hammers leaving and then yeah. Kozawa, Martial... Uh, Yannick Carrasco, all these kind of Condogbio went to Inter, all these kind of guys have left every season. But this year they managed to keep hold of um, players like Bernardo Silva, and then they added they added quite wisely in in places. There's um, the, the Italian goal, haven't they? De Sanctis. De Sanctis. Yeah. There's um, the, the chap, the the Fabinho, uh, Fabinho. Who's yes, Fabinho. Yeah. They're he's top goal midfield, He wears number two, and it annoys me. He's a right back though by trade, right? And he's been playing midfield. Dona Guardiola, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, but he's apparently he's in good form, and their left back Sidibe is, I think he's the one that's been in the French squad for the last yep, two. Yeah, yeah, um, and he's he's highly rated as well. But a lot of a lot of the, um, the French kind of pundits say what's helped uh, Monaco is they had to come back early and be prepared for um, the Champions League playoff, where yeah. they beat Villarreal, and they you know that's a strong Villarreal team that they beat home and away. So they've kind of they've hit this season running. Long, I think we're probably playing them at the wrong time. I would prefer to play maybe a month down the line where yeah. I think maybe the wheels might fall off a bit. But it's, it's not an easy game. It's not the Monaco that we played last time. And Bernardo Silva's been excellent so but far. I quite like the challenge of this because the, 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 the one thing that always gets me is like last season people would talk about we can't challenge for the title um, and compete in Europe. That It's too much strain on the squad. And... I never believed that. I just thought that we never, we were never up for the Europa League because players just instinctively are not that, that sort of. Uh, help me out. Motivated. Yeah. yeah, just I guess it is motivation. I think the Champions League is the is the is is the, the stage that people want to be performing it's on. It's always a flat kind of atmosphere. Start yeah, it feels like they're pretending to enjoy it. Exactly. They go through the motions, and we could accidentally get quite far in it. And then when you accidentally get into the quarterfinals of a competition, you, you think. Let's take it seriously. Or you play Tom Carroll. <laughs> well, there's that as well. But this time round, we're back in Champions League. We're playing an opposition that might be really good or they might not be. You don't know. But it just means that we have to reach a certain level. And it's that momentum going from Champions League back to the league, league games, league games, Champions League. We have to, we have to play at a certain level. And I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good that it's the first game with them. How do you think the bigger pitch will affect Tottenham? 
because um, we've got we've got one of the smallest pitches in the Premier League. I think we're lucky, and that helps it. But I think on a larger pitch, I mean, I, I think over the last couple of weeks, I think the whole pressing thing is a bit overrated, is a bit overplayed. Every team presses, every team in every team in football presses, every team does. I think because you've got a manager who's associated with it, people kind of overplay the thing. But I think every team presses. But I feel that a bigger pitch might affect that style of play. We'd like to probably amend it a little bit, maybe slow down a little. I think it's a bit unfair to say every team presses. It's about teams pressing intelligently. Well, yeah. Because if you overpress, then you're fucked at 60 minutes. That's what Liverpool, that's, that's Liverpool have done. Liverpool, Liverpool do, and even City were wobbling a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if you saw De Bruyne, he, he was going <laughs> to stay on, but he came off. He was he thought he was fucking going to die. But if you, if you press, and if Spurs go out there with, and press like headless chickens, they might get found out at Wembley. But I think a different pitch size affects that. I mean, well, Pochettino has said for for many for at least two years now that White Hart Lane is too small. Yeah, he wants a bigger well, pitch. We've heard that complaint going back to AVB's time as well. Yeah. I think T's right and your and Bardi's right, <coughs> and I think there will be a middle ground for it because at the end of the day, European football ain't on the same level in terms of pace as the Premier League. Exactly. So I think it, it's going to be slower. I know I'm generalising here, like Windy can do all the fucking tactical shit, but you know it's going to be a slower pace to the game. And I think we've got players that usable intelligently. We've got players that use space intelligently. So we've got an opportunity to really like take advantage of it. And we're moving into a bigger stadium, bigger pitch. Anyway, so this is just something that we're going to have to transition as well. Two yeah. two things. I'll, oh God, sound like my dad. My dad does that. Two things. <laughs> um, Number one, yeah. tidy up your room, yeah. Christopher. <laughs> Dreadful. It's, it's that sort of. Whenever I hear something come out of my mouth that my, my dad says, I just sort of put my uh, hello, palm mate. on my head. Do you know what it's like having a kid yeah. and then <laughs> saying things and then hearing them back and thinking, oh my god, I've become that bloke that <laughs> I always swore, dreamed that I would of. Never yeah, become. exactly. That I would dream of just avoiding my entire life. But what I was going to say, uh, the first thing is, like you say, pick your moments. Know when to go, when, when to make that move forward. We, we, we've, we've got some pacey players on our team, in Walker, in Son, in Ali, but we're not filled with pace. And so we need to, we need to pick our attacking moments carefully and, and maybe we will have to play on the counter a bit more against Monaco. And the second is, if you think about this from Monaco's perspective, winning streak, top of the league, they won 4-1 last week, Flying high in confidence. Away from home too. Coming to Wembley to play against a team that's kind of been set up as one of the, the best English teams. I mean, they're going to be super motivated as well. Mm. Um, this is a much tougher game than last year's results make it seem. And I think we're going to have to defend very carefully first and foremost. And for that reason, I would probably play roughly the same team as we played against Stoke. Maybe a, 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 a few... Bits of tinkering. I'd probably bring Dembele back in for the counter press. Yeah, same, mate. Eh? I um, think he uses the ball intelligently, and he gains us. Um, that's a bit of an American football term. He gains us yardage in terms of carrying the ball. I feel with um, when Yama and um, Dyer and the team, no one really carries the ball and takes pressure off off the back five. And I feel and I believe that Dembele plays it will be be very beneficial. Do you guys think we have to win this game? Could we get away with a draw? I think we need to win. I think you you need ten points to get out of the group. And not winning this game means we're going to have to win away, either in Russia or Germany. 
We don't, we don't win away from home in Europe. Yeah, recently, I, I, do think, we? I think we need yeah, to win, win, win our home games. We, we won against Carabag away. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, oh, I thought we thought forget about that one. I think we need, we're to, corrected. We, need to get, we need to get seven points from our home games and then try and scrape some draws away. But I think we need to win. Start with three. You saw what happened to Arsenal last season. They lost their first game, lost their second game. They, you can still get out of the group losing your first two, but it puts so much pressure on you. Win the first game, get that kind of... The, the narrative that's waiting to be there about going to Wembley, fucking bury that and then move on from there. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a psychological it's, thing it's as so well, isn't it? psychological. Yeah. I mean, when Arsenal played at old Wembley, they had that whole thing about they never performed there. Mm. So let's win that first game. I think this is crucial. Win that first game, bury yeah. any kind of narrative and then go on from there. Even if we draw our, our next game to Moscow, but this, we've got to win this one. And also, you know, first game at Wembley in the Champions League for us, win this one and it makes the next couple seem super exciting Builds gets momentum. the fans right on side well we've got um, I think it's seven games in 20 days so I think if we win this will give us good motivation because we've got two games a week you know we get to see in Kudu and Sissoko start games and I think it's it's a good time because everyone's fit and um, I think it's got to be used to its full capacity awesome right I think that's probably it for the first half um, we'll probably talk about Sunderland in the second half and answer some questions but first here's Flav with the weekly youth update yeah windy back to draw the fucking knowledge black I see you I got your back Hello friends, well as you will probably hear this is Windy not Flav, um, bit of a mix up this week and Flav was unable to do the youth update which I'm sure you'll be devastated about because it seems that his youth update was more popular than any update I've ever done so maybe sometime in the future that will get repeated but for now you're stuck with me as usual. Starting off the lone players Will Miller came off the bench for Burton and scored an equaliser four minutes into time added on. They drew one all with Wolves. Um, great scenes when Miller scored and run over to, <laughs> to the manager to celebrate. Uh, very, very, very enjoyable watching that back. Uh, goalkeeper Luke McGee was given a debut by Peterborough. That was obviously his senior debut, his league debut. They drew two all at home to Port Vale and Nathan Odor was an unused sub in that one. Bentaleb played 90 minutes for Schalke. They lost 2-0 at home to Bayern Munich. Uh, Philippe Lesniak was not involved for Slovan Liberec. I'm not sure if he's injured or just not in the manager's plans at the moment. I'll try and find out for next week. Federico Fazio was an unused sub for Roma in a 3-2 win over Sampdoria. And that sums up below knees. Uh, apologies if you can hear road noise. I'm stuck in traffic and I'm not moving, so I thought it was a good time to do the youth update. Uh, the under-18s lost 4-3 to Reading at Hogwood Park on Saturday. I went to that one. It was absolutely pissing down. I got soaked. Um, and I thought I'd packed a waterproof jacket, but when I opened the sort of netting bag in the car as I was about to get out, it was waterproof trousers. I didn't know I owned waterproof trousers, but apparently I do, and I don't own a jacket, so I was drenched by the end of it, but um, I saw lots of goals. Not the best performance, I have to say. I wrote, <coughs> excuse me, I wrote a report on that one, it's on, on windycoys.com, and I was probably a bit generous with my marking. To be honest, they could probably all go down uh, a mark, 
Rio Griffiths, I thought, was our best player. Oliver Skip, who's an under-16 player, made his debut at this level, and I was impressed with him. But there were some disappointing performances. Um, Jaden Brown, in particular, I'm, I've yet to see him play well, although I've got friends who tell me he's a good player. And he plays for England, so he can't be too bad. But, I've, I've, like I say, I've yet to see him have a particularly good game at left-back. Um, also, Keenan Bennett, although his set-piece delivery was good, he, he makes some really bad decisions in general play. And I've not seen too many signs of him getting better over the last year to 18 months. So I'm hoping to see him step up towards the latter end of the season. But watch this space. Uh, Jack Rolls scored our opening goal. That was an equaliser. But we were soon 3-1 down. And that was the case at half-time. Uh, Aramid Ote scored a penalty. And then Griffith scored an absolute screamer to get us back into it. But basically what happened was Reading went straight up the other end and scored to make it 4-3. So... A disappointing end result there. The under-21s had lost 3-1 to Chelsea at Stamford Bridge on Friday night. Again, a really disappointing uh, result and a disappointing performance. I saw some of it and I thought Magoma and Walks at the back were really, really poor and struggled against Chelsea. And the central midfield pairing of Charlie Owens and who, who played alongside him? Was it Joe Pritchard? They were also poor. Um... Tasha Oakley Booth came on and sort of improved the midfield a bit, but you know he's a 16-year-old playing in an under-23 league, so um, couldn't really expect too much from him. Shane Harrison ended up scoring our our consolation goal in the last minute after Marcus Edwards had won a penalty. The under-19s played their first UEFA Youth League match against Monaco on Wednesday at Hotspur Way. That kicks off at one. So by the time you listen to this, that might have already happened. So uh, check out the score on that one. That's it for this week. If you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come and You Spurs. It's the second half of the Fighting Cock podcast. And the Fighting Cock is partnered with Calm, the campaign against living miserably. 12 men a day commit suicide and it's because we're not willing to share our problems. Calm have a helpline open from 5pm until midnight. The number is 0808 802 5858. Their website is www.thecalmzone.net and their Twitter, hand, Twitter handle is The Calm Zone. All right, so let's talk about the upcoming uh, well, Premier League game. Well, Thanks, Flav. Thanks, Flav. Well done, Flav. Good job. No, fuck Flav. Oh. I was just going to say whether we should consider Windy maybe presenting more often, like every week. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right, thanks. It's a lot harder than it looks. Get, get, get my vote. Spooky's trying to start a rebellion here. So I started a coup, you know. I, I said at the beginning of this pod, I'm, I'm in a bit of a strop. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, I can't bully anyone here. I'd like to bully T, but I don't think it'll go too well. Not after his journey. And like, Wendy's presenting, Bardi's hosting. I've got, I've got no one to target, you know, to get some of this aggression, aggression out. It's, uh, I'll have another glass of uh, red wine. You, <laughs> you can't even do white wine. Red, white wine. Never red. There's white there as well. I saw it's drunk here. I had a bit. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Flav, for the um, youth update. Very informative. So, at the weekend we play Sunderland, who have started the season pretty terribly. Yes. Without a win, 19th in the league. Not that league places really mean a great deal at this point. Um, but Moyes seems to be struggling to kind of get them to gel. Well, I think the Man City game is one that sticks out in the mind. They were drawing one all. 
I think he brought Paddy McNair on for Defoe, if I remember serves correctly. And McNair scores the own goal that wins City the game. He's just very, very negative. Um, I think before the season started, I said, you know, make no bones about winning a relegation battle, which didn't really endear him to fans. So, that no, was a long season ahead for, for Sunderland. I think much like Stoke um, <coughs> were terrible, I, I welcome Sunderland being terrible. Just just in terms of our slow bruising start to the season, you know, against Stoke, like we said, it's the first time this season that we've had like five or six players turn it on at the same time. It kind of proves that synergy sort of thing where we're a collective and if you've got like five individuals in that collective that are not putting their weight, then it kind of all falls apart. It was a slow start to the season, but yeah, I'm glad Sunderland are suffering because they're there to be taken. I don't think we need to stop worrying. I mean, it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty depressing if we get done by Sunderland at home, considering that we're 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 starting. To, do you know what I mean? Do it's you remember like, the last time that happened? Well, all, all I can think, no, I can't actually. When was the last time we yeah, Sunderland beat us? Two points to make games. Shit, that fucking hell! You're right. It was. Yeah, I remember that. I think Cissé scored. I was about to say Cissé Wasn't it like yeah. a last minute thing as well? <laughs> or, I think or, it might have been a late, late defence. I think yeah. Gina scored a late goal and yeah. It oh. just seems like ages ago, isn't it? Like, what, eight, nine years ago? It's crazy. I mean, are we, do, do, are we, other than the obvious, Jermaine Defoe, are any of the Sunderland players players we should worry about? Well, there's a bit of hype around the, um, what's his name, Ndong, who came from Lorient. I mean, paid 30 million for him. Um, Didi and Dong, is he a midfielder or a doorbell? <laughs> oh! <laughs> is that another one of your dad's jokes? <laughs> don't, don't, don't go off brand ever again. Stay on brand. <laughs> but, um, 13, but no, 13.6 million. Yeah, I mean, he's meant to be, he's meant to be pretty decent. Um, so there's him and Defoe. I think Defoe scored almost half of their goals last season. So those are the only two players that really stand out to me. But I don't know what are they up? Is it, is it still nil nil? Still yes. nil tonight. Yeah, they're yeah. playing Everton at home. Um, Jan Kirkov's back, which is a shame because I think yeah. he's one of their better players. Although he did, he, he made his debut against us, right? And he, yeah. had, he had a pretty horrible game. Yeah, a but then he went on to look really good for the rest of the season. I, I thought he was their best player at the end of last season. They season. had a player called Casley. Was he on loan? No, he's still there. He's on the bench. Um, he's a free kick specialist. Yeah. Can whip a good ball in, but he he does struggle a bit in open play. He's not. He can't beat a man. The biggest losses they they they've signed him, but he won't join until January. Is M Villa who was probably their only player that I've looked at and I thought I'd like to see him. Wait, did they sign him? He went back, but his contract is up in the winter, in the end of the Russian season, so I think he joins the free in January. Apparently he sent an Instagram story to about how gutted he was, that Sunderland wasn't answering their phone. I think he's joining in January, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Well, that'd be helpful, I and mean, they've got an each of you know. Loads of goals with each of It's just like Moyes, Moyes just going through his little notebook of who players to sign. Pina and and, and be just like, yeah, well, solid you know, players. It's a bit sad. You know, the backdrop of all this is, you know, Tony Hibbert, Ian McIntosh's favourite, is still without a club. You know, it's not really, no, no respect at all. But um, but this is the first home game after the transfer window. So I always look forward to those games in the... Well, it's the first one the after because, the midweek game as well. Yeah, because... um. Uh, you know on Facebook you've got On This Day and um, I think six years ago it was Van der Vaart's debut against West Brom. This made me think of, you know, the first, obviously that was away, but yeah. this makes you think of the, the first couple of games after the transfer transfers kind of bed in. So, I don't know, maybe you might you might even see Sissoko start, that'd be interesting. You know, you never know. I think we might see him start. 
I, I think he'll definitely play a part midweek against um, against Monaco because yeah. when he came on against Stoke, I was really surprised by the way he was running the other way. Like Walker got caught out and he sprinted twice back all the way to cover him. I, know. I think the big picture will help him too. Yeah, that's a good shout. I mean, he would he play in central midfield or in the in the band of three behind Kane? I think he'd play in the, the band of three. Uh, yeah, I think if, if it's a bit late and we're struggling, I think he'll probably come on, add a bit of energy. Um, him and Ericsson are almost polar opposites. Ericsson is someone who um, is someone who uses space very well, whereas Sissoko is a bit of a battering ram. So, um, yeah, I think we'll probably see a bit of him. So, Sunderland seem to go a bit crazy in the transfer window and they've um, signed the whole world. I mean, a mixture of players that you'd expect to go into their starting 11, but lots of squad fodder as well. Um, they got McNair, as you mentioned, from Man U, and Donald Love, who's a young Man U right back, they signed. Um, they also signed Stephen Pienaar. I didn't know that. No idea. I had no idea. And yeah, he, he started in the last game, uh, their draw at Southampton. Um, they, they played a 4-3-1-2 against Southampton. I don't think they're playing that tonight, so I'm guessing that was an experiment that didn't work so well. Who's the, um, the player they signed from Chelsea, Wendy? Uh <laughs> Let me say that Gino, Gino Boggi, I think he's called. That's not actually um, bad. He's a centre back. Eight million though. Yeah, yeah. Proper money laundering there, isn't there? He's meant to be okay. I mean, the, the the star player for me in Sunderland's team is Kone, who is um, Gino Boggi's partner <laughs> at centre back. I think Kone is an excellent. Well, there's um, a lot of hype around him getting him, isn't there? Yeah, he's a he's a really handy defender, and I think um, Pickford's going to need that defence because. From the looks of things at the weekend, Pickford is not ready for Premier League football just yet. Yeah, because I, I mean, I remember that Moyes um, looked for five other goalkeepers and didn't get any of them, so I'm sure that's a vote of confidence for the existing goalie. They ended up signing a guy from Boavista, um, and the, I think the transfer didn't go through in time, but then they appealed that there was some hold-up and oh, they the allowed it to go through. The, the yeah, arsenic exactly. method. Oh, yeah. Was that okay. a late fax or something? Yeah, God, yeah. I don't know why they still use faxes. I'm sure there's a, sure there's a good enough reason. I've been quite unlucky by cursing, well, cursing us when it comes to goalkeepers, but Pickford really is pony. He really does struggle. Don't to do just, this, Barty. He really does struggle. Fucking jinxed it. Ricky's kicking his, <laughs> <laughs> he's kicking his chair at the moment now. But he, to is, that. he is. He's definitely low. At least Stecklenburg had some kind of history behind him, and he's played international football. But Pickford, I don't, I don't see it. So I'm thinking just shoot from range every time yeah, you get the ball in shooting distance. I'm thinking Shea Given styles. Yeah, we, we shoot quite a fair bit from range. We do. So. Unusual, unusual amount of shooting from range for a team that plays kind of the, the style that we play. Yeah. I think it's, it's too early in the season to worry about an opposition like Sunderland. I know we came unstuck like last season with uh, Newcastle. They did a couple of us, yeah. Yeah, a couple of other teams. But at this early stage, you know, we're, build, we're looking to build up momentum. It depends what happens on Wednesday as well. It depends how we rotate. There is that that cliche of a European hangover, but we've got more than enough to not, you know, we're at a position now, Spurs fans, where we, it's not arrogance, it's just confidence in the team are capable of, of seeing off this type of opposition. You know, I mean, if we lost this game, you'd have to think, well, what the fuck happened to, do you know what I mean? But based on what we've seen so far this season, there's nothing to suggest that Sunderland can turn up. I fucking jinxed it now as well, haven't I? <laughs> Feel, feel feel like playing this back after the game on the weekend and thinking, shut the fuck I'm up. I'm sure their forums have been busy for, with that, but but um, but no, they also got Yanazai. I forgot about him. Oh shit! They, they got Yanazai as well. But um, but all these players have got to play and they've got a jail. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? They might need another. 
10 games to really get going and actually form a team that can turn up at, the, at White Hart Lane and defend and counter. Well, that's it. Can they do that? Can they do that to us? The, the style that Moyes plays is so compact and so well drilled and it takes time to kind of get players it's used to off. playing in that, in that way. Um, I don't think, without Catamol, they haven't really got the sort of team that Moyes would like. Although, he's reunited with Rodwell in midfield, who um, he had at Everton, obviously. And I, and I think Rodwell is one of those players that's got a lot of unfulfilled potential. He, he moved too soon in his career, ended up wasting a couple of seasons at City, maybe even three. And I think Rodwell's a decent player. Um, one thing that seems to keep coming up is our performance against Liverpool. That's completely unrelated, but... People say oh, that was a poor performance, Liverpool could have beaten us two or three, but I think we've got to give ourselves a bit of credit, you know. We're showing a bit of fight and a bit of, um, a bit of grit and determination. And I think this season we're just such a hard team to play against and a very hard team to beat. And that just makes us all the more confident for the game against um, Sunderland. Um, it's resilience. Sometimes we put here is that you know, we level on the same fixtures as last season. So we beat Palace 1 0, we beat Stoke 4 0. That's, that's, that's a bit We drew against Liverpool and we drew against. Um, so what you did there, we drew against <laughs> Everton. So um, I think to that end, I think we can be very confident this, this weekend. It's hard to really predict the starting line up, it all depends on what happens on Wednesday. If we. Look. Let's be honest, right? It's like when you read, and, and I've not been guilty of this so far this season, believe it or not, there's no point in over-analysing any game this early in the season because people are finding their feet. People, players have got bed in. You know, you've got to build up a bit of momentum. You see evidence of, of maybe players that might struggle or, you know, we're questioning Dyer. It, it, it's unfair to even do that because it's, we're, we're, it's a handful of games. You look back to last season... So we started in a similar way, but we had we, we didn't we we were we were about to define who we were. We were about to create an identity last season, and across the season, we did. We've, we've got our, our identity now, and it's just about sort of slowly, gradually, sort of building it up. And I know people go, "Why aren't we sort of already there from the first game?" Well, I'd rather not. Like when you're having sex, I mean, what do you do? Do you take your time and you build up to you know? The climax, or did you fucking go in there and finish your off like? What would you describe last season as then? Like, as, as tantric. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. But fucking fell off the bed last minute. <laughs> <laughs> hit, that, hit my head on, hit our head on the closet. Your, on your the... child knocked him a door, daddy. <laughs> or you just shut the door. I don't know, you bring my kid into this. <laughs> what the fuck? Or you're going for like, you're going for it, and then you're gonna do the big finish, whipping it out, put it to like, you know, do the big money shot. But you end up coming in your own face. <laughs> and then you, blind, <laughs> and you end up blinding yourself and smashing the whole room up. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Walk into the bathroom to wash it out and you fall over. Crack but, your head open. But no, I mean, as I alluded to earlier, we've got loads of loads of... <laughs> <laughs> let's, bring bring it it let's, let's bring it back, T. Let's bring it back. Pull it got, back slowly. We, we've got two games a week for the next two, three weeks. So I think we'll get, a, a, you know... Because as Spooker said, we don't know where we are. We don't know what, we don't know what level we're at. I mean, it's Stoke... Uh, just the beginning, though, it's Stoke as good as we're going to get. We've got games against Gillingham, Middlesbrough, just Saska must go for fuck's sake. <laughs> Wendy. Man City at home and West Brom away. So, with all these games to come, I think we'll probably get a better idea when those games are over where we, we really are. Just, just as, a, as, as like a, just a general thing, don't, don't you find that the buzz of last season has made you hungry to feel like every game is a must win? Every game is, is pressured because you think it will go towards another challenge. It's not like the old days where you'd win a cup or you'd get excited and you'd lose, draw, lose, draw, and yeah. win a cup. 
now every game means something. And, and, and I get why supporters crack under it, because you look at teams that change for the title season in, season out, you can almost understand how those supporters become starved of success when they don't challenge for a season or two, because they're so used to a particular level of watching football and experiencing it that it almost feels like a, a come down when they're, they're in a state of not being able to challenge. And I just feel, I love the fact that every game feels like we have to fucking win. That's, that's also a, a Pochettino mm. trademark as well. And it's not just the kind of old cliched, we take one game at a time type thing. He actually, he, he spends so much time telling us that the team are focused on the next game and the next game only. They never think further ahead than the next game. And he wants them to be in the right mindset before every game. And I think what he's done to our players' mentality is mm. one of the most important things that he's done at this football club. He's changed, every, he's changed the way the players think about the game coming up, and he's also changed the way the fans feel. Um, and I, I think what he's done to the players has just rubbed off on us naturally. But they, they don't worry about the previous match. It feels like every game is a new start, and they've got to go out and prove themselves again, and they're ruthless. Well, I mean, it's telling the comments that Deli Ali made after the game. There's an interview of him pitch side, and they're praising the fans. Um, there's Danny Rose saying good stuff about the club as well. Um, you know, Tupacino also said that a lot of our players are not even here for their money. They're just here for, because they're, they're hungry for success and they feel they'll get out of Tottenham. So it's a complete, a complete different mindset at Tottenham now. Anything else anyone wants to say about the Sunderland game? No. Well, we had lots of questions as ever, but um, T's done his best to sift through them and pick some of the best ones out. So we'll start off with a question from uh, Milk of Every Mammal from Reddit, who says, nearly every player now tweets or Instagrams something thanking the fans after the game. How much do you like this, or do you think it's all a bit contrived slash media trained? A lot of that has to do with our form. Um, we've not really had a very bad, well, aside from the ending of last season, not really had a very bad run of form whereby... Because I remember before, it used to be, oh yeah, we'll bounce back next week, and there's a lot of grief on Twitter about that, that we'll bounce back next week. Now we're winning more often than not. It probably doesn't... It's not something I've really been into, whether it's media trained or not. I think it's... I think there's an element of that. I think the players are probably told to... You know, if we've won a game like we did against, don't get crowd shots and, you know, tweet them and Instagram them. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's nice to, to see that. Do you not think it's partially just that they're excited and they want, they want to share it with the fans and they're kind of a young group of players who've been brought up on social media. So they get back on the bus and they're straight away on their phones and they want to kind of engage. Well, that's the funny thing is that uh, there's a tweet, I think I retweeted the other day, about um, players were told to celebrate in a certain part of the pitch because... Um, oh, it was an England thing, wasn't it? Yeah. But I reckon it stretches to clubs as well. Where you celebrate in a certain part of the pitch so you can see a certain advertising hoarding. So when things are that micromanaged, to be fair, this is back to Bobby Robson days, that's by the by. So the fact that everything is so micromanaged, it's hard to really not be cynical. It's, it's, it's difficult. Well, Beckham used to do it. Beckham was famous for it, that he was always, in the scored, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. always in the picture. Yeah. So it's, it's been going on for a while. Personally, it doesn't, I don't really follow any footballers on Twitter, so it doesn't, I don't see it. It's all about how you digest football. And I follow a few on Instagram, but I don't mind it. There's nothing, there's nothing, no harm in it, to be honest with you. I think it's just more than life. Like we, are, we live, we live in, in a world now where we, we want to take pictures of what we're eating. Like, no one's eaten fucking spaghetti before. Look at me, I've just cooked spaghetti. Woo, and like you know, 15 likes. 
on Instagram, but it's it's the way we are. We we we, we have ourselves and we have our ego extended into the realms of social media. We do it. We're on Twitter. So why why shouldn't these guys not? I posted a picture once of my spaghetti on Instagram. You fired me shots. I was about to say, you come into Barney's house and you start throwing When the armor did it, though, to be fair. Exactly. I, I didn't even armor. think of him, to, to, to be fair. Should have gone with that. That's how pretty. But no, the, interesting, so the interesting thing was um, Eric Dahl. He was, when he joined, he was fairly nondescript, but now he's, you know, he's going for all the long hair. He's got his Facebook page, he's all his branding on his page. So it is difficult to really. Well, not we do look it, at don't them. we? We do it on our level as as yeah. just normal people that just record a podcast. And but the but all these players have got a team around them, haven't they? They've got a little social media doubt. team, and they're told what to tweet and what to say. I mean, obviously Gary Cahill did that tweet last night and deleted it. He's going to get a lot of yeah, grief for that. So I don't know. The dire thing seems a bit of a shame because the the friendship between him and Ali had a lovely natural feel to it, and then yeah. suddenly the Spurs media team got hold of it, and they were on everything. Together. Yeah, the England team did as well. well didn't yeah, it? West really Ham are doing it now. Now. West Ham are doing. They're creating a whole bromance between Noble and um, Payet, and it's just it's taken away from what was quite a natural friendship between two young guys who've moved to a different city in the world, you know, and it's just kind of been a bit. They need, I, I quite like them not to do it anymore, just to keep it natural, but don't, don't, don't overuse I think, it. I think that the problem is, again, it comes down to, you know, how we use the internet, it's content. You know, everybody, back in the day, you wouldn't really know, you, you see an interview in, in the newspaper or on the website in the programme, whereas now we're getting videos of people, like, pranking each other at Halloween or whatever else. It's because they, they want to produce content to appeal to, oh, not just... Look, it's, it's more or less aimed at kids to be fair a lot of that shit and, and people that are just into that kind of banter and whatever else I hate using the word banter but that's fundamentally what it is it either makes you cringe or it doesn't you know I've got to do a quick fire question by the way Sorry. <laughs> is that leading to quick leads... fire and me did, did, really come on <laughs> that, that leads to the next question though um, we talked about the Ali and um, dire bromance but mm. the next question is um, what's your opinion on dabbing that's Maximus doing Reddit. So um, when Song scored his goal, him and um, Di- him and Ali did a little celebration together, and that led to Wendy and many others to tweet that um, is a is a bromance under threat. So what do you guys make of the whole Davin thing? I like I like I I think it's fun. It's like I I just enjoy them engaging with popular culture and sort of seeing two cultures collide in a way. But the whole the way the Man United players have handled the Davin thing is just absolutely embarrassing. Have you seen the video with? Jesse Lingard yeah, giving yeah, yeah. a T- giving like a tutorial. A, yeah, a demo on how to how to dab. It's it's right. so Sorry, I'm gonna be like proper fucking old man here. Dabbing. To do that. Oh okay. I, I just I, dabbed I, by I, the way. I, I, <laughs> I had no idea that it was called dabbing. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I do. Yeah. See Windy does a better one than me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kinda of, I enjoyed their celebration. It kinda of, it was it was rehearsed, but in a fun way, yeah. um, and the joy on Son's face. He did the running man really badly as well. Yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> really over-enthusiastic running man. <laughs> it reminded me of the Frank Lampard senior celebration. None of our listeners will know about it, but he used to run around the corner flag. And it reminded, <laughs> it reminded me of, of Frank Lampard senior doing that. Sonny is just generally a joyful human being. Face. Anyway. Face. Question from David Fenton on Facebook. Will Harry Kane score 100-plus Premier League goals or will the lure of mega pounds twist his mind and leave, make him leave for a so-called bigger club? 
What I love about our players at the minute is a lot of them talk about wanting to stay forever. And I know the reality is it only takes one bad season or two, a lack of form, whatever, and players just, you know, they can leave. I don't think anyone's naive enough to believe that something can happen. Maybe in their heart, at the moment in their heart, they're thinking, I don't want to leave because everything's good. Um, so based on the fact that Kane has come out and said it a few times, he's a Tottenham boy, I reckon, I reckon he'll stay. I reckon the new stadium will change things for Tottenham, just in terms of what we're able to do with um, wages. And it's, we're probably at the right time. This ain't fucking quick fire again, is it? I'm done. See, talk. I think he will score 100 plus from a league go to Tottenham, yes. I think he will score as well. He only needs to stay another two seasons. Yeah. I think he will as well. Um, and I, I agree with Spooky that the stadium's happening at the right time for Kane because he, he's not someone who will demand megabucks yeah. right now yeah. because he's a, he's a grounded, down-to-earth kid who's, who knows where his bread's buttered. Um, and basically... By the time the stadium's built and the revenues are there, we can afford to pay him what he deserves. And hopefully at that point, he'll have those 100 goals and he'll get the money he deserves. Unless Pochettino goes to Man United to well, replace it. Mourinho and he takes Kane with him. But that, that oh. leads to our next question. Just break my heart. Shit. I, I, I'm not even looking at the questions ahead. What's going on? <laughs> Seamless. Mike Filetti on Twitter, does Lamella deserve to double his salary? So from 75 to 150. How do we know he's on 75 grand though? We've got, for the sake of the question, let's just presume he, let's just presume he is, because we'll be here forever trying to there's guess. There's no way they double his salary. No chance. We, we can't double. So Ericsson actually asked for the same amount, allegedly, so it's a bit weird that they asked for the same amount. But actually, okay, question for you guys. Do we actually know what our limit is? Because I've just said that the, the stadium will change things in terms of how much we can afford to, to pay players. So what are we actually playing our, our best players at the minute? I don't think there is a cap as such. There is a cap. But are, are, but are we but talking 180 grand a week? I think 100. We we play nowhere near that right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like 100. Yeah. I mean, I think our top earner is something like 80 from what I've heard. Yeah. If Kane turns around and says he wants 100 grand a week, he'll get it. Yeah. He'll get it. We'll break it for the right player. Whether whether 100 uh, 150,000 a week to Lamella is right or not. Who knows what's right? Well, 30 million your, versus Soko, right? Your, your logic, though, aligns with Levy because if, if Kane is worth 100 grand a week, that means he's worth 60, 70, 80 million to be sold if he keeps scoring. So it's a no brainer. Whereas if Ericsson had asked for 150 grand or whatever, I don't know what he's on, the way Levy look, looks at it is well, if I'm going to sell him in two years for 25 million, he's, you know, he just do the math. So you're right key players but Spurs how have been quite smart if you play well you get a new contract if Lamella plays well for two three months he'll get he'll get a new contract yeah. he might he'll, double it though he might, double. he'll, might get a nice fat signing on fee or yeah. some benefits there but he'll get he'll get a new contract if he keeps up this level of form by Christmas he right. deserves it just to wind up uh, certain people <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he deserves a double it if, if, if the figures are true I don't think he deserves a double it but it does, it does deserve a bump it seems like all the players are getting pay rises at the moment. Yeah, it's that's a good thing, though. It's a good thing. It's the way it should be. And it's something Levy's always done. And he, he's never really got the credit for it, but he always gives players pay rises at the right time just to keep them happy. Happy enough. Uh, so, question from Michael Butler on Facebook. The, the video we posted about Levy and the finances, should we stop ourselves from cheering on a club's astute business strategy over the football slash shirt? So this was a video made by a guy called Joe Devine called Bridging the Gap, Tottenham, Levy and Pochettino. 
and it's well worth a watch. It's about four minutes long, and it's it kind nicely of produced, isn't it? Beautifully produced, um, like smart, really smart voiceover that makes it easily understandable. Um, and he talks about the catch twenty two situation that Spurs have been in, that we've spent seventy five to one hundred and fifty million less than the top four in the last five years. Sorry, earned seventy five to one hundred and fifty million less. We're the only Premier League club to have made net player sale profits between 2008-2015. We've only recorded annual losses twice in the last decade and they've been incredibly minor. And therefore we need player sales because of our reduced matchday income. For example, United's being more than twice Spurs' matchday income. And the new stadium which we're funding ourselves, unlike Arsenal, we've got huge handouts from uh, the government or the council, whichever you look at it. Um, so what do we think? I mean, is this stuff we should be cheering, or does it take away something from? I think um, I don't, I, the way the way I think about football is not binary. I can be happy that we're a well-run club. I can also be happy that we beat Stoke four 0 It doesn't need to be one or the other. Then, I mean, obviously, Levy is somebody polarizes opinion. Um, the video probably be looked upon as some big massive Levy propaganda thing that is the best chairman that's ever lived. Not everyone thinks that, but um, I think we can. I think we can celebrate both, and I think it's. Um, I think the video alluded to Pochettino being the perfect manager in that he produces players from within, and he gets players in cheap like Ali and Dyer. And I think Pochettino was a perfect Levy manager. So I think there's a lot of good things that came out of that video, and. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we should really stop ourselves cheering for it because I don't think if if we were like finishing tenth in the league, then that's different. I think we're finished finished third last season. We could finish in the top four again next season, and yeah. It's not something that I'm gonna I'm gonna get printed on on a t-shirt or something. I get really excited about. But having a well-run club is important. You can look at a team like Leeds, for example, who who during that Peter Risdale era were doing some amazing things and they had some amazing nights, but it all crumbled around them. So having a well-run club is important, but for me, it's not the be-all and end-all of everything, and it's not something to get too excited about. I was about to say that I don't think I've ever heard any Spurs fans say like doing elites because they were. I hear that. I mean, to be fair. Like, seriously, but it's the, the sites that I go on. Oh, okay, for, <laughs> forums maybe. I just don't think I don't think it's possible to do elites after Leeds did it. If that kind of makes yeah, sense. That's, that's the regulations have changed now. Yeah, I, I think they were just they were just like they were giving money to players before the agents even opened his mouth, and <laughs> like the agent and the player walking out thinking we've just been offered eighty grand a week. And yeah, like, Seth I, Thompson was. Yeah, well, I think that was the, probably the thing that I'm remembering. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, Levy, you know, it's like T said, you don't have to. There's this thing about football, and maybe with everything, politics as well. You're either on one side or the other. Like no, there's, there's, there 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 are shades basically, and you can be in the middle, or you can appreciate one thing and, and not not so much the next thing. And with Levy, he has done a good job, sort of. Maybe his football decisions haven't been right, appointments, the way things have been handled. But in terms of the finances, because of that gap that happened after Sky Sports Top Four that set us back. I don't think people realise how far it set us back. You had four or five teams with world class players. And everyone else was shit. And there's no way you'd, you were ever going to compete with them. And the Champions League came about and we were left behind. And we are catching up. And that video really illustrates the gap that we still have to make. Because really on paper, we shouldn't be able to compete. 
on paper, we should be thick every season based on what, what we're competing against. So the fact that we can put ourselves, and football isn't as, you know, it's not as easy as saying, well, they've just made 500 million pounds profit. We shouldn't be anywhere near them. The reality is that we, we, we could finish above them again, Man United. But the other reality is they could offer 300 grand to any fucking player that we want to target. Mm. I mean, Chelsea buy players that we would, we would want in our first team and they send them out on loan. And that's, do you know what I mean? There's, a, there's an imbalance there. So based on that, I don't give a fuck about this. It's taken us 15 years to build a stadium. Arsenal built their stadium during a good like, financial uh, period. Whereas, fucking look around at the minute, or the last 10 years, last five years, it's difficult. I'm not, Vardy, you might have an opinion on that. I'm, I'm getting that right, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Just in terms of the building development trade, it's not, it's not an easy thing. And I think people expect us to really fucking run things. If everything was perfect, we'd win the league every year. Do you know what I mean? Rant over, man. Fuck what do you expect? <laughs> I'm not on this pod every day. Do you know what I mean? Give me a fucking I, break. I was lost in that for a minute. I was, <laughs> I was enjoying that. I was, I was staring at Spooky. You ever had one of those moments where you're in a meeting and then someone's talking then oh! all of a sudden it turns into a question and you're like, am I right? And I'm like, I looked at him, I was like, I'm just going to agree with him. <laughs> I, no, I was listening to you. Sorry, mate. I didn't, I'm, 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 on, I'm on severe pain. I didn't expect the question. Shot. I didn't expect to be questioned. I was just testing thoughts. you. You weren't paying attention. <laughs> you failed the test. It is such a fascinating subject because just the statement... There's no right or wrong. There's no right exactly. or wrong. Exactly. The statement that Levy is an astute businessman, some people will hold it up as a positive, some people will hold it up as a negative. We all come from different places. We've all got different values. We all want different things from our football club's owners. And so Levy's not going to please everyone. But ultimately, if we're a well-run football club, we can, in my opinion, achieve more on the pitch as well. I think the fans have a right to question everything. And, um, I mean, in today's society, we're exposed to a lot more in terms of the internet and all the rest of it. And um, I think people have a right to question Levy, but he's not, he's not a complete villain. He's not a complete mug. Um, I mean, I can go on about Stratford and all the rest of it, but yeah, that, that, I mean, that wasn't even what he asked us. I mean, I think you can celebrate both, answering the question. Yeah. But look up the video um, on YouTube, Joe Devine, yeah, the great gap. really worth a watch, mm, yeah. worth four or five minutes of your time. Uh, next question comes from, I don't know my sex on Reddit. Body <laughs> uh, will help you out with that. It's too sensitive. Okay, I was confused by the way it was written down, okay. Do you think Spurs is still a, a, a somewhat stepping stone for players on their way to bigger, more successful clubs? What would it take for Spurs to be recognised as a proper big club, another top four? Or does the economic aspect simply mean we'll forever be stuck as the smallest big club? We almost answered that in the last question. So we kind of covered a lot of that, but I mean, what do you think? Are we, are we seen as a stepping stone? Not anymore. I think most clubs in the world will always be a stepping stone to Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yes. When, when, okay. Every club, going by that logic, is a stepping stone. I yeah. think we're in a better position as a football club to retain the services of, of, of some of the players as seen by these contracts being signed. Because for the, for the first time in maybe 20 years, apart from maybe the, the Red Nap peak, we have a team that's akin to the early 80s Tottenham team, the togetherness team. Right? Well, I don't think there's a team in the Premier League that can sign Harry Kane. 
I don't think I think we could resist Man United and Man City. Well, I don't, Levy I don't doesn't sell to British English clubs, though. But really. he, he, I mean, he has done. The, he has done before. But that now I think we've moved on. I don't think we are a stepping club, stepping stone to those clubs. I think the only club, the only bigger clubs that will buy from us are Barca and Real Madrid. I would say Bayern, but they don't really tend to buy like that. If we sell players to other clubs at the minute, it's more likely that we're upgrading that player and therefore we're getting rid of that player. But you're right. People like Kane and one or two others might look abroad for a challenge or, or, or a bigger club. I'm with you on that, but I'm more inclined to think that we're more likely to retain these players because they believe in what's happening at the club. Whereas before, I think we wanted to believe that we were going somewhere and it would break and fall apart. And it was easier for Berbatov to say, I'm signing for Tottenham, and then, then realising that he was probably on a promise to always join Man United. Yeah, well, and, yeah. and he proved that first season... Are you gonna are you gonna buy me or what? And he fucking yeah. went there. And, it, and I don't think we're we're like the we're not we don't get slapped about in that, in that same way. I think we're more in control of what we're doing now. You know, Gareth Bell aside, but that was you know undeniable. You, you, we're never gonna hold on to. Is it also something to do with the the nature of the players that we buy as well? That they're not looking for a stepping stone. They're looking for either some kind of personal challenge or. They're looking for self-improvement and, and they know that Pochettino is the coach that can improve them as a player. Well, I'd, I'd be concerned if we, were, if we were buying a player that didn't want to go on to a bigger thing. I mean, we signed Lamella. Lamella didn't come to Spurs to stay at Spurs for the rest of his life. He came to Spurs to prove himself in the Premier League and then get a move somewhere else. So I, I don't want us ever to sign a player who's not ambitious. Yeah, that's, that's, and, and be, that's it, Barbie. They, they've got to have that hunger. Yeah. yeah. If they can, if they want to improve and they drag us along with them, then brilliant. Yeah, I think um, Bell was probably a prime example of that. Yeah. Um, but as, I mean, the, the the crux of it all is that every club is a, is a stepping stone, really. But I think all the clubs, all all the best players at our, our club want to be there. Hugo Lloris, Kane, they're all making very positive noises. I can see some of our best players going to another English club, but I think it had to be a massive, it had to be a ridiculous bid. We 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 need to challenge for the title again. Yeah. We need to win something, to be fair. We need to win a cup. We need these players to be associated to a, a day of glory. Genuine glory yeah. will go down in history. Obviously, the memory is always better than the fucking stat in a book. Because last week we talked about you know the League Cup being a Mickey Mouse trophy, but it gives us memories. I mean, it evokes, it evokes memories in some shape or form. If we didn't win that League... Sorry, if we didn't win that League Cup... Would anyone really remember Jonathan Woodgate's contribution to our club? No. It gives it, it gives a legacy to yeah. to a team, to a bunch of players, and I thought yeah. that even if he did win a League Cup with his squad, I think it would be I think it'd be a great thing. Pochettino famously made the players stay back when we lost to Chelsea and made them see Chelsea lift the trophy and that maybe that motivated us the following season and hopefully this season we do have a good cup run. Because also, because we play our home in the Champions League, if he gets to a cup final then Home from home. <laughs> Do you think we were going to win something this year? Yes. Everything. <laughs> I I wouldn't put my house in it. I'll have to watch the Gillingham game first. I, feel I don't want... What? The League Cup? I don't want the League... I don't even know what the League Cup's called this season. Like, I want the League title or the Champions League. Well, yeah, Call me greedy or delusional, but... No, that's, that's, the top. that's what I want too, but it's an easy trophy to win. No. Genuinely, I'll be happy with the FA Cup. We were synonymous with it. We've spoken about it so many times. We were synonymous with that cup. Yeah. And when was the last time? Like too long. For what? For too what? Too long. 
For whatsoever, I'm not setting my aim to the League Cup or nothing, by the way, so don't fucking pull me <laughs> up on that. No, no, I'm no, just no, saying no. that it's the first trophy that finishes, it's the earliest um, final, so, so yeah. It's probably a good place to end. Um, we've kind of, we've, we've, we've rambled on a bit about Levy & Co, but I, I mean, I really enjoyed that last half of the podcast, actually, the stuff that we've not covered for a while, so it's good to go back to it once in a while. Um, we need to give a shout out to some of the uh, Snapchats that were sent to us. Bardi, you made some notes. That have you, yeah. you got any names you want to thank? Willie Will, 867, uh, Leo underscore three, and Jamie Loxley both did good Snapchats. Who was the bloke that walked in on, on his girlfriend taking a dump? Or okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's taking a dump, it's Leo, L-Y-E-O oh, you made me laugh, Absolutely <laughs> brutal, singing Sing. the Deli <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. I didn't want to grass him up. Well, he's been cheated up now, so there you go. Um, Kind of a bit of an apology on the fanzine front. It's it's been slower than we'd have hoped, but um, we're making good progress with the fanzine now. So I hate myself. (laughs) Every time, no. Why do you have to bring out Windy? It makes me hate myself. The articles we've had in are really, really high quality articles. uh, And it's with the designers, so we're hoping that the fanzine will be out in the next couple of months. And we've already started collecting articles for the following fanzine, so... What? Uh, and that'll be, that'll be our bit well, sooner, I'm right? Is it, is, You're um, in, right? You're yeah, in. I'm in, but no one's spoken to me about There's it. There's six it's blank the, pages right at the end. Right, the, four, the fourth wall, the fourth wall again. Six, six pages, is <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, have you got any requests for blog articles? How's the blog doing at the moment? Um, it's doing okay, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you've got plenty to work with. We're pretty busy today, but um, no, it's okay. It's good. Keep them coming. Cool. Well, thank you all for um, yeah coming to Bardi's place out of the way. Um, it's been good catching up. And thank you, uh, Flav, for the youth update. And Flav will be back next week, as usual. There might also be a special podcast in between. But this has been the Fine Cop Podcast. Boom. It's that new podcast sweeping London, yeah. Straight from North London, yeah. It's ours, yeah. Let me see you shuffle, cock. Let me see you shuffle cock. Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.